Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with you. In May, my College to Career Academy will hold a series of live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs and careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp, and then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live, and it's led by me over Zoom, and you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in learning more about the function and maybe even the field of human resources and recruiting, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is a talent development manager in the tech world with over a decade's worth of experience in human resources. But before I introduce you to Madeline Mann, also known to hundreds of thousands of her fans and followers on YouTube and TikTok and LinkedIn as the founder of Self-Made Millennial, the Tangerine Queen, a woman who puts glory in every story, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's newsletter that showcases the professional stories of upcoming guests on T4C, as well as features career advice, insights, and inspiration. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my pour-over people-loving Java junkies, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Madeline Mann, the founder of Self-Made Millennial and a human resources leader who's helped thousands of people land career-defining jobs and careers. Madeline's full-time gig at this moment is something called the Talent Development Manager at Inspire, which is a clean energy tech company on a mission to transform the way people access clean energy and accelerate the world toward a net zero carbon future. Prior to joining Inspire in March of 2019, Madeline was the Director of People Operations at GemHQ, which has an all-in-one cryptocurrency platform bringing crypto enthusiasts confidence and delight in managing their digital assets. And before joining Gem, Madeline was a human resources specialist at Scopely, 
a leading games company home to many top grossing award-winning franchises, including Scrabble, Go, Marvel, Strike Force, Star Trek, Fleet Command. Oh my God, so many. If you want to know how to break into HR and or recruiting, check out show notes for this episode to see if Madeline's Espresso Shots interview has already dropped. Madeline, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Heck yes. So good to be here. Yahoo. Well, I want you to know, I have been super, super excited about this interview, Madeline, because firstly, I adore you and all of your tangerine talents and your willingness to be goofy and silly and to have fun with your audience because that makes you a woman right after my own heart. Ah, yeah, I think. And I love that about you too. I think that that's, this is a really stressful topic, finding your career, finding jobs, all those things, but it's also thrilling and a blast and an adventure. And so why not, you know, be a bit cheeky about it? Exactly. Exactly. And secondly, I have tremendous admiration for your passion and your productivity. And I know that Java junkies are going to be able to learn a ton, a ton of tangerines worth of career tips from you. And so (laughs) to make sure that we make the most of every section and peel back the layers of your career, let's get going and squeeze everything we can out of our time together. Oh my God, that was so corny. Okay, Madeline, (laughs) let us kick things off first because I just thought maybe we could give our listeners a super quick overview of what the field of human resources actually encompasses and what human resources means. Because I got to tell you, Madeline, before I met you virtually, as a fan, I never really thought about HR as being something that would be a fun and exciting career. That's so funny to hear. Yeah, I think most people would agree. I definitely have to say, I was not a little 10 year old girl thinking, ah, when I grow up, I want to work human resources. And I don't know that any little boy or any little girl ever, ever thinks that. So I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. So what do they do? What is human resources? Human resources is the department of a company who focuses on, okay, how do we retain talent? How do we develop them, level them up, train them, uh, bring them into the company, help them ramp up quickly, help them to be productive members of a company, and then also manage things when things get tough, when there's interpersonal conflict, when we need to deal with something that is unsavory or termination. So you basically are the one who is managing the full people life cycle to ensure that the employee experience is productive and enriching and also legal. Yeah, definitely gotta, gotta follow the rules. So with that as a backdrop, let's dig into what you're doing right now as the talent development manager at Inspire, which according to LinkedIn, this may not be correct. This may just be the number of Inspire employees who are on LinkedIn, but it said it has about 180 plus employees. Is that right? Yes. So 
what do you do? What do I do as a talent development manager? Well, one of the things that is really fun about my role is I get to think about what are our business challenges right now? And how can we make sure to remove that delta between where our employees are today and their knowledge and their skills in their alignment and to where we need to be? Such as, are we launching a new product and we need to make sure everyone is aligned on what that product means for the business, our business model, how everyone's contributing to that. That's something that as a talent development manager, I'm working with executives to ensure that we are having meetings and sessions where people are building those skills, getting that information. It's also about noticing what is helping people to stay at the company and what's causing them to leave. Maybe that has something to do with their managers. Maybe we have a feedback problem where people are too nice or they're too direct. And so how do we implement a behavior change? So that's really what my job's all about. And then I also have the community manager team, which they essentially are the ones who organize different engagement events. And they also help with you know office operations. And so with them reporting into me, I get to focus on, all right, how are we aligning people around our mission by bringing in really cool speakers who talk about environmentalism? How are we making sure that in a virtual world, People are still interacting and eating lunch together or, you know, having a drink together, whatever it is. That is a big part of really making sure that we're still having that human connection. One of the bullet points that you have in your LinkedIn profile around this role is that you reimagined the onboarding process in a way that scales and reduces ramp up time. And that would be ramp up time and understanding the business. And you reimagined it in a way that it shortened it from more than a year to about 90 days. Is that the kind of creative project that lights you up? Absolutely. It really is all about thinking, putting yourself in the position of a new hire, understanding when you come into a job, your ramp up time, your ability to be productive, especially for the more the more advanced a role is, the more skilled it is, it can take you, yeah, three months, six months, a whole year before you are fully understanding all the intricacies of the business and working at your full capacity. And so it's really fun to think through, okay, what these new hires don't know what they don't know. So how do I make sure to get them in front of the right people, to get them the right information? So that they are equipped to ask the right questions and get information at the right times. And so that's such a huge part of of the onboarding process. And, And yes, it's absolutely a really fun project to work on. Madeline, as you know, most T4C listeners are college students and young professionals. What tips can you offer them about how they can make the most of the human resources professionals in whatever company they join? With human resources, we really are the ones who truly kind of are the keepers of the the behind the scenes information, all that. And so I think that you can reach out to your human resources department. And first of all, really 
confide in them about anything that you are noticing in the organization. Hey, I'm noticing that people are showing up late to meetings or anything like that. And that's always like a really great data point for them to then make something happen. I think there's really no use in sitting there and being grumpy and complaining versus, yeah, just kind of giving them those data points. I think also I've seen people ask for stretch projects and they look to help the human resources department. They'll say, Hey, yeah, could, could I have a stretch project? And then you get to help source candidates, which means help find candidates for jobs. You can help with coordinating the next event they do or whatnot, because typically a, a human resources department is typically understaffed and overworked. So I think there's typically some really good opportunities to build a stretch project within that department. Okay, cool. So speaking of work, could you take us into a typical day on the job for you now during the pandemic? We're doing this interview at the very end of March, 2021. What does a typical day look like, Madeline? In a typical day, I am sometimes running a training. Like this week, I'm running an interview training. It's funny because I teach job seekers how to interview, but I also teach interviewers, how to evaluate candidates. So I'll run a training. I'll meet with some teams about some of the strategy as far as, okay, what information do we need to get out to employees? How are we going to disseminate that information? And then also today, I'm also attending an event, which my team has planned around. We're bringing in a founder of another company who's going to talk about how she built this sustainable company and really learn some key business aspects of that. So I'm constantly working across the business, really building out these different experiences and making sure that I'm managing my team towards that. Got it. One of the things that we touched on in our Espresso Shots episode, which we just finished recording, was the fact that titles are made up. They're really left to the will of hiring managers or senior management at companies as to how they want to describe different titles. Your title is a new one for your company, for Inspire. What was it, Madeline, that made you say, yeah, I want to describe myself as a talent development manager? Or was the position posted like that? I would say that you're right. Typically, my role might be also called training and development or learning and development. These titles evolve because I'm not just the only one just building trainings, but also thinking through how are we developing talent across the organization? How am I coaching managers? How am I building processes that lead to talent development? So it is an effort to make it a bit more accurate. But yeah, it, it's so funny, Andrea, when you look at all the titles in the human resources, people operations, whatnot, field, like there's just so many of them and it's dizzying. And I could list off, you know, 12 different ones. And, and yeah, they're all kind of nuanced in their own way. So was this a title that you helped to curate? Or was it a title that the management at Inspire had already thought of? The role that I was interviewing for, this role was actually created for me. I was interviewing for a different role. And my boss said, wait a minute, 
I want to hire this other role too. I haven't created a job description. I'm going to write up a job description really quick. And will you interview for that? And so we did discuss the job title. Ultimately, yeah, she, she really felt that this would be a good title for me. And I agreed for sure. It is a title that has become a lot more common these days, but it still is kind of rising in, in notoriety. You mentioned something now that makes me think of a data point that is frequently thrown around about how most people get jobs, let's just say, could be up to 80% through referrals. And 80% of jobs in general are hidden. And there are a whole bunch of reasons behind that. But one of them is for the very reason you just mentioned. Nobody at Inspire had thought of a talent development manager position until you interviewed for the job. So, I mean, this is just, I think it helps to paint the picture of why that 80% is actually a pretty accurate number. Yes, it is. It's so trippy. I think people often think that... The hiring process is very structured and that there's certain roles a company needs and then they fill them. But it's extremely messy. Companies are constantly switching their hiring priorities. They're not only switching their hiring priorities before they put out a job description. As they are hiring, they are changing their thoughts of, oh, well, maybe maybe we don't need that skill. Or actually looking at these candidates, I realize that they are completely missing this aspect and we need to change it. It's it's so messy behind the scenes because it really is an imperfect art. And so that's why being scrappy about it, meeting people, getting your face out there can change your career forever because it's not black or white. It's not this role is open or this role is closed. It's these roles don't even exist and they'll make it one for you and you'll come on in. And, and that's what's happened to me in my career several times, actually. My first internship was was created for me in human resources. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I networked and I got to know people over the course of years and I just kept keeping in touch. And at one point, uh, a contact of mine, her coworker, who's the human resources manager, she was just overworked and needed someone ASAP. And she's, my contact said, well, I know someone. And there I was the next day, ready to go. A, <laughs> a role completely created for me. It wasn't me against a bunch of applicants. It was me against the clock. Like, was I going to have the right timing? Yes, I did. And it really led to the rest of my career. Well, speaking of the rest of your career, let's zip through it really fast here. Maybe you could just tell us whether these were positions that were created for you or how you got them. Before joining Inspire, you worked for, I guess, three years at a smaller company known as Gem HQ. You were their first HR leader. You started as the director of people operations. And was that created for you? Yes. So that it's funny. I was job searching and talking to different companies. And I, I just saw, I was really interested in in emerging technology. And so I thought I'd reach out to them. Literally all it said on their website was people operations slash recruiting. There was no job description, nothing. And so I reached out to them, said, Hey, I'm really interested in this space. 
I had to reach out because this, you know, I'm excited to potentially explore this with you. And it was such an amazing effortless process. Like, you know, when, when things just work out and this is after talking to other companies and really trying to find my footing. And yes. So then I landed that role. That was a manager role that ultimately ended up growing into a director level role. And I was able to build out everything A to Z for that company. And it was, it was just, it was so much fun. Love it. Prior to joining GemHQ, you worked as a human resources specialist at Scopely. As I mentioned in the introduction, it's a large international mobile games publisher, large company, 1,200 employees, at least that's what it's at now in terms of headcount. What about that role? What does an HR specialist do, Madeline? Is that an entry-level position? Yeah, so I start off this was one where I can start off more as like a part-time like intern during my master's degree. And then I ultimately ended up going full-time with them and yeah, taking on a lot of things. And so, yeah, that, that was, that was a really great entry into it to be a part of like a larger HR team. Nice. Let's rewind just a teeny bit because when you were at Gem HQ. In 2017, that was around the same time you launched your side hustle, the self made millennial. How did that begin, Madeline? And what did it look like in the very beginning? I know there was no Wi Fi high five because I've watched some of your earlier YouTube videos and that wasn't there. That's so funny. That's true. So I was, I was in every backroom conversation about candidates and employees and who are going to promote and who are going to hire. And I was reading hundreds of resumes a day and being the one who's talking to each of these candidates. And it was extremely apparent what some people were doing very right in order to land the job and what other people were completely missing the mark. And I thought, well, why don't I help people out? Why don't I share this knowledge? Because I looked online, I looked at what was out there. And I noticed a lot of it was pretty high level. It didn't get into the intricacies of what was going on behind the scenes, the psychology of each different behavior. It was it was solid advice out there. But it was it was just not it was not as detailed as as someone like me would want. And so I thought, well, why don't I well, first, I started just responding to applications and telling them how to improve the application. And I thought I was going to be everyone's hero because everyone says, oh, I never heard back. I never got any feedback. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I'll tell you that was a disaster. People do not like getting feedback that they have not asked for. People were very mean to me. And so I thought, nope, never again. I'm so if you're ever <laughs> oh wondering gosh. why companies don't give you feedback, it's because people can't take feedback. Very few people can take constructive criticism. So I thought, all right, I'm not going to just give people feedback like that. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I like video editing. I like video as a medium. I'm not good at it, but I'm going to try. And I just dove in head first. And how many videos have you created to date? Dang. I mean, it has to be at least 150, I think. Amazing. For young job seekers, Madeline, especially those who will be graduating in the spring of 2021, looking right now for entry-level jobs, one of their biggest pain points and frustrations 
tend to focus around the years of experience that hiring managers are putting on those job postings. What advice can you offer them about how to get a job with no, and I'm using air quotes, real world experience, so to speak? Here's the thing is you do need experience to get hired or most mostly you do need experience. But I think what students get caught up in is what experience is. They might think, oh, but I don't have anything. And it's like, get off your tuchus, like go to your local farmer's market and help them with the flyers and now look at your marketer, you know, or your upstairs neighbor has an Etsy store where she sells jewelry, like help like her with sales calls to some vendors or whatnot. You know, that's, that's experience, whatever it is, even just packaging things up. And now you're helping with, you know, helping her to stay organized, whatever it is, like get out there and start doing stuff. And it doesn't have to be paid. And what it's all about is, you know, I mentioned about how I worked on my college newspaper, like that's experience, any organization you're a part of, and that counts towards it. So I think really making sure that if someone is going to pay you thousands and thousands of dollars a year, what skills are you bringing to the table? And they really, that's nice that you have an education. That's more of a check the box, but Really 60% of the reason why they'll hire you is experience. And you need to just go out there, start building things, start building personal projects. And also just listening to podcasts like this. Like this is the perfect podcast where you can listen to professionals, hear what their job is like, and then go out and meet those professionals in person. Because this podcast gives you amazing ideas of the questions you can ask them and, and how to dive deeper so you're not starting from from zero. And then ask them, what are some of the ways, like what are some of the skills that are important for this job? Exactly as you ask on this podcast and start building those, start building your own personal projects and that will make all the difference. Awesome advice. Madeline, you have a video around the fact that at that point, when you recorded the the video, you had read a thousand cover letters. And the focus of the video was, and this is what will get you the interview. What is the it around the cover letter? The it in the cover letter is the fact that you are conveying why that company and how you fit what they are asking for. What so many people do is they focus, they say, I'm Madeline. I am a hardworking professional who is creative and self-motivated. And I really love marketing so much. And it's, and it's like, okay, why us though? Why our company? Why, do you, why are you the best fit for us? And that's really what companies are looking for. They're not just looking for a person to fill a seat. They're looking for the person who is interested in what they do in the market, who's thought about their industry, who is passionate about the work. And that's something that time and time again is missing from cover letters. Excellent. And because I know this is another huge pain point for young people, what are some of the resume do's and don'ts in your opinion? So I would say one of the major things is, especially if you're a student, like you need to focus only your resume on the things 
that are relevant to the company you're going after. Such as if you are applying to be an executive admin, you're maybe being CPR certified is not the thing that's going to make or break your candidacy. And what I've found is... And I teach this in my resume revamp masterclass, which you can find on madelineman.com, is that when you actually go through your resume from the perspective of the company versus the perspective of your own story, you find that your resume starts to shrink. And suddenly this whole thing of how do I ever fit it on one page? It's almost effortless to fit it on one page because you're only giving them exactly the information they need. It's a sales page that shows exactly what's interesting about you, not a Wikipedia page of everything you've ever done. Excellent. And speaking of story, as I alluded to in the introduction, Madeline has another course about finding your glory in your story to develop a story toolbox. Because as she says, people get jobs from telling epic stories. So Madeline Mann, I want to flashback to when you were in college. You went to the University of California in beautiful San Diego and you graduated magna cum laude in psychology. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated? I did. Yes. I had talked to over 50 different professionals who all had psychology degrees to figure out what the heck they did with it. And then I narrowed down the jobs that I was interested in. And I ultimately ended up choosing human resources by the age of 21. So I was on the fast track, but I worked really hard at it. Like I said, it was not age 10. I said, I'm going to be a journalist and just followed that. No, I really, I really thought, okay, let me find a job where the number of positions are increasing year over year, where the income will fit the lifestyle I hope to lead. And that plays to my strengths and values. And it was a lot of dead ends, but I ultimately ended up finding this career path and being really grateful that I did. And how long did it take you? You said you did 50, I guess, informational interviews. When did you start? I had this moment in the middle of my junior year. I had been a communications major for three years. And I had this moment when I realized, when I actually looked into what the job prospects looked like, if I was to stay on the college newspaper and continue to be a journalist, I realized that the job prospects were dwindling. And that if I wanted to really have lifestyle hoping for it, it may not be the best move for me at this point in time. And so I had a little bit of a crisis. I was like, oh, wow, you know, every character on TV is a journalist and I should probably figure out what the heck other jobs are out there. And so I switched my major from communications to psychology and I just talked to a bunch of people. And it it was probably over the course of six months where I, I just really got focused. And then I ended up landing on exactly what I wanted to do next. Such great advice. All right, Madeline, I know this is probably maybe one of your favorite questions to ask in an interview. I'm going to frame it the way I like to ask it, which is, could you share a time in your professional life when you struggled? Maybe, like me, you fell flat on your face and got fired as I did twice. 
But the most important element in this story, Madeline, isn't the fact that you failed. It's how you persevered. And if there was a lesson that you learned in the process. Yeah, I would say that I've had a lot of jobs that were complete dead ends. I had, I worked as, <laughs> I told you I was a communications major and my friend, he got me into a job to be an IT manager as psychology lab. And they interpreted my ability to be a communications major as some sort of like computer person. I think that that's what they interpreted communications to be. So I was woefully underqualified for this job. And I went in there and did my best. Google was my best friend. I was Googling everything, trying to fix hard drive and all that. And one day they just emailed me and just told me to not come back in. And I was heartbroken. It was such a mean way to get rid of someone. Totally. Um, I just wasn't, I wasn't good at it, of course. And there's just so many other moments in my career where I just walked straight into a brick wall, had no idea what I was doing. But the hilarious thing is I learned something from each of them. I even had a job where I was a solicitor where I would have to walk up to people on the street and sell them a spa package. And you can only imagine the volume of rejection I got. And if I got rejected a bunch, and it got me down. And then my ability to sell was really bad. It was pure commission. And so it's just funny, really looking back on it's not necessarily about us making every job exactly the right one. And having that be a reflection of who we are. I, I take all of those, you know, failures, you can call them failures, and I use them as ways that I have learned and built myself. The ability to handle rejection is something I've taken for the rest of my life. My ability to just problem solve when I have no idea what's going on and, and you know just figure things out as an IT person has really helped me to just get out of my comfort zone and, and not put labels on myself of like, oh, you're not good at this, you're not good at that. So I think really just reframing your experience in that way and being open to just having some jobs that are flops. Yeah. I love the fact that you were Googling and watching YouTube videos about how to repair computers. That is, I mean, you could have so easily just been like, what the hell is this? I, there's just like no way I can do it. But you had a can-do spirit. Exactly. And, you know, you just, you, you just got to go with it. And in the end, I do think they made the right decision. I was not the right person, but it's really better to have a growth mindset and think, well, why don't I take a job that stretches me, that makes me do a lot more than what I think I'm capable of. And I found that the best moves in my career have done just that. Beautiful. Final question. If you could go back to UC San Diego and do it all over again, but based on the incredible wisdom you have right now, Madeline, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, man, I would say that I really think and I think I was good at this, but I think I would even go farther is truly you have no limit on the number of shots you can take as far as going and speaking to that company and trying to get them to hire you or asking for a free ticket to that conference because you're a student and you don't have money to go, but you really want to see that speaker that that you think is really amazing. Like just take the shot, right? And rejection really isn't isn't real. Rejection isn't real. If, if you don't ask, 
it's the same outcome as if you, as you asking and them saying no. So go for it. And I think that when I look at all of my job experience, I've had so many jobs in my life. I've had definitely upwards of 15. But when I look at, you know, the only reason I got enough letters of recommendation for grad school, because I went to UCSD, every lecture hall for psychology is 450 students. So no professor knew the heck I was. The only reason I got one in time after switching my major in my junior year is because I emailed every single psychology professor at UCLA over the summer where I live in Los Angeles. And out of like 26 of them, 25 said, we don't have any room in our lab for you to work. Sorry. And then one of them said, yeah, sure. We have one. We have one spot open in our lab this summer. And that's who I got a letter of recommendation from. So just never really taking things as, as a blocker, never saying, I don't have experience. I don't have any professors who know me. Oh, woe is me. Like, no, just be bold. When you're a student also, you get a lot of passes as far as not knowing anything or people, you know, wanting to help you or give you free stuff. So just milk it. I am with you. Madeline Mann is the self-made millennial one day, if not already, self-made millionaire. Follow her on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, new videos drop. Every Thursday, you also are definitely going to want to check out her resume revamp masterclass. You can find it at Madeline Mann. That's man with two N's.com. Madeline, you are such a tangerine rock star. I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. Hopefully one day I will be able to buy you that oat milk latte in person. You're the best. This has been my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.